0: Let's read together 1 Samuel chapter 8. In this chapter, we have Israel's demand for a king because the sons of Samuel were not following in their father's footsteps and also because Israel wanted to be like the other nations. Let's begin by reading verses 1 through 6. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn was Joel and the name of the second Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Look, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. Let's begin our study of this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 8, with some background notes. At the end of 1 Samuel chapter 7, we saw that Samuel was a circuit-riding judge in Israel for the rest of his life. Let's read the last three verses of that chapter. And Samuel judged Israel all the days of his life. He went from year to year on a circuit to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah, and judged Israel in all those places. But he always returned to Ramah, where his home was there, There he judged Israel, and there he built an altar to the Lord. Samuel's annual round trip as judge would have been less than 100 miles, but no modern roads, of course. You can trace his travels on your Bible maps. Now, how long he stayed in each town every year, we don't know. For the rest of each year, Samuel judged Israel from his hometown of Ramah. Remember from chapter 1, Ramah was where Samuel was born. And now he's moved back here from Shiloh and is probably living at the old family homestead. We read at the end of verse 17 of chapter 7 that Samuel built an altar at Ramah. Now Samuel was not a priest, but he was a Levite. And he did offer sacrifices on behalf of Israel as we saw in chapter 7 verse 9. Remember, the priesthood was in sad shape at this point. Eli was dead, and God had to remove Eli's wicked sons, Hophni and Phinehas. We learn that Samuel was a Levite from his complete genealogy that is given in 1 Chronicles chapter 6. The fact that 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1, implies that Samuel was an Ephraimite is not a contradiction in the Bible. So the Levites, remember, did not have a tribal territory, but were scattered throughout Israel in Levitical cities, and many times the Levites were looked at as part of the tribes in which their cities were located. Thus, Samuel was a Levite and descended from Levites who were associated with the tribe of Ephraim. We see in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 8 that a number of years have passed since chapter 7. Let's read verse 1 once again. Now, it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Samuel had decided to spread out his workload and had his two sons appointed as judges and sent them to Beersheba in the southern part of Israel while Samuel remained in the north. But Samuel's sons were not walking in their father's footsteps, as we read in verse 3. But Samuel's sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. Well, that brings us now to our doctrinal teaching points for 1 Samuel chapter 8. So doctrinal point number one, believers cannot pass on their spirituality. Believers cannot pass on their spirituality. In the case of Eli, we saw in chapter 2 that he did not discipline his sons, Hophni and Phinehas. As a result, Hophni and Phinehas went from bad to worse. And remember, we read in chapter 1 verse 17, Therefore, the sin of the young men, Hophni and Phinehas, was very great before the Lord, for the men abhorred or despised the offering of the Lord. Eli's spirituality was not passed on to his sons, and neither was Samuel's spirituality passed on to his sons. Now, in the case of Samuel, perhaps it was because of the fact that Samuel was on the road a good part of the time and heavily involved in the ministry of judging Israel, And thus, he did not give enough time to the spiritual welfare of his family. This, by the way, is a problem that faces many men in the ministry today. There must be the right balance between your ministry and your God-given family responsibilities. Samuel's sons did not inherit their father's godliness because spirituality is not inherited. There are no spiritual genes. Ephesians 6.4 says that children should be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. That's our responsibility as parents, but we can't make our children spiritual. That's a matter of their individual walk with the Lord. Believers cannot pass on their spirituality. Doctrine point number two. Believers can settle for God's permissive will. Believers can settle for God's permissive will. Verses 7 through 9, 1 Samuel chapter 8, now beginning at verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me and served other gods, so they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you shall solemnly forewarn them and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. It is quite clear from these verses that God's perfect will was not for Israel to have a king at this time. God was to be their king. But they had rejected the Lord from being king over them. Verse 7, And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, But they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Now, how is this departure from God's will to be harmonized with the fact that God told Samuel to listen to the voice of the people and give them a king? This is a case of God's permissive will. Now, we have several cases in the Bible where there is a clear distinction made between God's perfect will and his permissive will. Numbers chapter 11, when the children of Israel complained about God's provision of the manna and said that they wanted meat to eat, God gave them meat to eat in his permissive will. After Israel's 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, God's perfect will was for all 12 tribes to cross the Jordan River and enter the land of promise. But we read in Numbers chapter 32, that the two and a half tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh told Moses that they wanted to say on the east side of the Jordan, do not make us cross this Jordan, was their well-known response to Moses. And God allowed the two and a half tribes to have their choice under his permissive will. When good King Hezekiah was told to set his house in order because it was time to die, he begged the Lord to let him live. While this was not God's perfect will, in his permissive will, the Lord gave Hezekiah 15 more years to live. You can read the account in 2 Kings chapter 20. So believers can settle for God's permissive will. The fact that God had foretold in his law that Israel would have kings does not take away from the fact that God's perfect will here in 1 Samuel chapter 8 was not for Israel to have a king at this time. I'm reading Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you, and possess it, and dwell in it, and say, I will set a king over me, like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren, and you shall set a king over you. You shall not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Deuteronomy 17:14 and 15. In these verses, we see that even in his permissive will, God is gracious. Since Israel insisted on having a king like the other nations, God said that he would choose the king for them. And we will see in our next chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 9, how God brought Samuel and Saul together. But this grace of God does not mean that it was God's perfect will. In fact, in Hosea chapter 13, and verse 11, God said, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. Hosea thirteen eleven. When King Saul turned away from the Lord, God removed him. Whenever God's permissive will is chosen instead of God's perfect will, there will always be bad fallout. It's a matter of choice. Believers can settle for God's permissive will. Practical application from 1 Samuel chapter 8. Watch out for the, we want to be like other nations syndrome. Watch out for the, we want to be like other nations syndrome. Verses 10 through 22. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties and will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers, and he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. And he will take your male servants and female servants, your finest young men And your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep, and you will be his servants. And you will cry out in that day because of your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but we will have a king over us, that we also may be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. So the Lord said to Samuel, Heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the men of Israel, Every man go to his city. In these verses, Samuel told the people the problems they would face if they opted to have a king over them like the other nations. They would be taxed. There would be a draft both for military service and domestic service. The best of their crops would have to go to the king. And they would regret their choice of God's permissive will. Verse 18, once again, And you will cry out in that day because of your king whom you have chosen for yourselves. And the Lord will not hear you in that day. But the people wouldn't listen to Samuel and demanded a king so that they could be like the other nations. Verses 19 and 20. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Watch out for the we want to be like other nations syndrome. You know, this has many applications for today for Christian families, for Christian ministries, for churches. We want to be like other families, and have more money and material possessions. We want to be like other ministries that are well-known and have all the latest technological advances. We want to be like other churches and have more entertainment in our services. Watch out for the we-want-to-be-like-other-nations syndrome. Be aware that the Lord may give you exactly what you request, but it may not be his perfect will, and there will be problems as a result. It's better to humbly walk step by step with the Lord and be guided in his perfect will, including timing. Watch out for the we want to be like other nations syndrome.